prayer page. And the series that I'm going to begin tonight is Fruit Grows Where the Stream Flows. Fruit Grows Where the Stream Flows. This, this series is about experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. Now, sometimes in churches, I think we take it for granted that people understand this matter of living the Spirit-filled life. And we're going to begin tonight, and we're going to get around to talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we need to understand what the fruit of the Spirit is and how significant it is in our lives as Christians. But before we do that, we've got to do something just like if we were going to want fruit in our own yard, maybe some type of a fruit tree, is we have to make sure that we prepare the soil. So this week, next week, we're going to talk about that matter of preparing the soil in our lives. One thing I have found as I think about having fruit in my life is this, that any time that you see, whether it's grass or trees or vegetation, you can always tell where there's a water source. Uh, we were outside on Christmas Day, and of course it was probably, I think it was 70 some, almost 80 degrees on, on Christmas, kind of hard it, when you're from the Midwest to, to, to get the whole Christmas vibe when it's about 80 degrees outside. But we were sitting outside just kind of enjoying the day with our grandkids and our kids. And I was looking around on our back patio and I noticed over in the corner of the back patio, there was, it, it was, it was uh, pavers and concrete and some, some tile. In other words, it was all like a concrete type material there was no grass or anything, but right in the corner of my house, there was this huge area where there was green stuff growing up out of nowhere. And I thought to myself, well, there's no way that that could be there and be green if there wasn't some sort of water source there. Uh, there has to be a water source, a supply in order for there to be fruit. Uh, it reminds me of years ago whenever I was traveling, and I've traveled all over this country. I've seen it north, south, east, and west, and uh, I've seen a lot of interesting things statewide uh, across the country, but the, the two states that kind of got me was the state of Washington and the state of Oregon. I think I have a picture here, first of all, of the state of Washington there, and we just talked about Brother Pearlstein. Notice uh, Seattle is posted there. But if you look at this picture of the state of Washington, it's pretty easy to see that on my left and your right, that's the ocean, right? Everybody see that? And you can see the coastline there. You can see the water. And so notice what color everything is the closer to the ocean that you get. It's green. But if you, if you go from west to east, everything becomes brown. Anybody ever been in East Washington? Uh, it literally is like a desert up there. They have yucca plants, and I mean, it's, it's sandy. You would never think that about Washington State. And, and in case you're thinking that that's just Washington that does that, go to the next slide. This is a slide of the state of Oregon. This is an aerial view of the state of Oregon. Again, you can see the coastline coming down from the state of Washington. Notice everything against the ocean is all green where the water is. And the farther east you get, notice the more brown things become. And there, th the same thing is true in our lives as Christians is 
that if there is a stream, if there is a source, it will produce fruit in our lives. Now, one of the things we understand is that as we live the Christian life, there's even been some mention tonight that many times in our lives on a daily basis or a weekly basis that we are battling in our lives. There's always someone who wants nothing to do with God. They want to oppose who we are, what Christianity is all about. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to this. In his life, when God gloriously saved him by the grace of God, and he began to do the work, the ministry that God gave to him, as you study the scriptures, you find that in his missionary journeys that the Apostle Paul, he became enemies to the very people that he used to be a part of. Uh, the Jews got to the place where they, they detested Paul. They wanted nothing to do with the Apostle Paul after he got saved. You know why? Because he switched sides. He was no longer on their team. He was now doing the work of God instead of uh, the work of the Pharisees. And so they began, the Jews began to harass him. The Bible records that they stoned him. Well, why were they out against him? Because for the simple fact that Paul, everywhere he went, he was revealing to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 1 that it is the power of the gospel that saves somebody, that as we understand that Jesus died for our sins, and they, they detested him. And despite all these problems, in spite of the fact how the Jews treated him, and some of you may experience that on, on a daily or weekly basis, maybe uh, the more you try to live for the Lord, maybe the more you try to be a testimony for Christ at your job or maybe where you live with your neighbors, with your family. Maybe some of you are harassed. But the one thing I love about studying the Apostle Paul is that despite the problems, Paul somehow maintained a spirit of joy. We recently, last year, studied the entire book, four chapters of the book of Philippians. And Paul there, we, we sense this spirit of joy. Paul actually allowed his trials to produce spiritual growth in his life. Let me say that again. He allowed the trials in his life to produce spiritual growth in his life. Now, many times we think of trials, we think of negative. But look at this statement I put in your notes here. Somebody said, other people don't create your spirit they only reveal it. Other people can't create your spirit. Your spirit is what it is. But what they do is they reveal it. Here's a good illustration tonight. Uh, anybody like tea? Yeah, you like it when you take it and you put it in some hot water, right? Now, again, you could take this out of the thing and you could smell it. This is, this is uh, America's favorite tea is what it says on here, Lipton. And, and so you can smell that tea, but when you take that tea bag and you put it in some hot water, it reveals what is inside this bag. And what happens in our lives is when people like the Jews to Paul, when people come against us, when people start to harass us, when people start to uh, not, not want what we want and start to give us a hard time about living the Christian life. In other words, 
they, they, they take our life and they start to, to dip it in that hot water, so to speak, it begins to reveal what is in there. Uh, they, again, they, they can't create our spirit. They only reveal what's there. In, in other words, the circumstances reveal the contents of our spirit. And Paul experienced trial after trial. But Paul, when he experienced those trials, he experienced them with faithfulness, with joy, even with love. Well, how is that possible? How can Paul be that way? I mean, after all, they were taking his life and they were dipping it in that hot water. They were harassing him. They were stoning him. I mean, all these things that they were doing to the apostle Paul, how could he do that? Well, it's very simple. Jesus said that if we, like Paul, would have a relationship with him. In other words, not just a one-time, but an abiding relationship. It'll make all the difference. Look at what it says in John 15, verse 1. Jesus says here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, that's what Paul was doing. He was bearing fruit. But the Bible says he purgeth it. Everybody see that there? In other words, if you've ever had a tree or maybe you know someone, sometimes there's fruit that is produced by that tree, but it's not bearing the amount of fruit that it's meant to bear. So sometimes there has to be a purging. There has to be a pruning of that tree in order that it might produce more. And, and the Bible says here that it might bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Notice his instruction, abide in me and I in you. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. See, that's how Paul was able to keep such a wonderful spirit when he was being attacked was because he had an abiding relationship. Many times, I think, in Christians' lives, there's no fruit. And listen, the, the reason that there's no fruit in our lives many times is because it's not a fruit problem, it's a root problem. See, we have to have that relationship. Look what it says in Colossians 2, 7. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, according therein, excuse me, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So we've got to be rooted. We've got to be built up in him. We need to make sure that we're established in our faith. Listen, I'm glad you're here on Wednesday night, but I'm going to tell you something, you're, myself included, none of us have arrived. We all need to be strengthened, especially as we live day in and day out in this world. We're facing things like Paul did, and it is only through the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit of God, that we can bear fruit. How many of you, honestly tonight, how many of you want to bear fruit for God in your life? I think every Christian wants to. But, but here's the thing is, sometimes we don't understand this whole process. If we are going to have fruit, then it must start with what we're starting with here in this series is, we've got to prepare the soil first. It's so important that we prepare the soil. The lesson on Sunday, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but that, that's, that's the whole reason that God used David was because before David became a king, 
God had prepared him while he was out in the field tending the sheep, while he was being the son that he should have been for his father. You see, God wants to use us. God wants us to have fruit in our lives. But listen, if we don't prepare ourselves, if we don't prepare the soil of our heart and our lives, then we will never see the fruit that God wants us to have in our lives. So look, we have to learn how to live our lives with the Spirit of God. And so a couple thoughts tonight. Number one is we see the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's truly what he is. The the book of uh, Acts actually called the sending of the Holy Spirit of God the promise of the Father. And we find that when the Holy Spirit came, that the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus, who is the unspeakable gift, the Holy Spirit of God is a gift to us. Notice on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number two there in your notes, Peter stood and listened to what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive, look at these words, the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, when we study the scriptures, here's what we find is that when a person comes to the place where they repent of the sin in their lives, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. In other words, at the moment of salvation, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit of God is God's gift to you. We find this is true, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives at the moment of salvation. Look at Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. Notice the words there. God has given His Spirit unto you and unto me. God has given us a great gift. And the fruit of the Spirit is something that we need to see in our lives. That It can't be taught. The fruit of the Spirit can't be manipulated. The Holy Spirit is the one that produces it. We, ourselves, cannot even manufacture it. So I want you to see a couple thoughts here tonight as you think about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is promised by Christ. Jesus came from heaven to this earth. We just celebrated Christmas. And as Jesus came, there was much that he accomplished in such a short amount of time. But the wonderful thing was that when Jesus came and he realized that his time was short, instead of just leaving and going back to be with the Father, which he did, before he left, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. But he said to his disciples, his followers, to us, I will not leave you comfortless. Notice the promise he makes in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So in Acts chapter number 2 in our Bibles, we call it the day of Pentecost. That's the day that Peter stood and preached And the Holy Spirit of God came down. Because if you remember, in Acts chapter number 1, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went up. And as Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down. And we find that the Holy Spirit was promised by Christ. But notice, secondly, the Holy Spirit 
is received at salvation. I mentioned this already. Peter, when he stood on the day of Pentecost and he preached, listen, I've had times in my life where I've stood and I've preached. Can I tell you that there probably have been times in your life where you have preached? Say, so, ah, Pastor, I've never stood and preached. If you have talked to anybody about the Lord Jesus Christ, to preach means to declare the truth. See, it's not just standing behind a sacred desk. If you've shared the gospel, you've talked to somebody about the Lord, when the Word of God is being preached, and the Holy Spirit then takes the Word of God, just like He said in John 14, 26, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict, He takes that truth and He begins to apply it to a person's heart, and to their lives. So the Word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit convicts, then what happens next? The Holy Spirit of God then regenerates, and we are gloriously saved. Remember the conversation that Jesus had with the rich, uh, uh, not the rich man, but the, 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 the man who knew so much of the Scriptures. He was a ruler of the Pharisees by the name of Nicodemus. And remember this conversation he had with Nicodemus, and the Bible says in John 3, look at Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Sounds to me like two birds. Born of the water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the what? Flesh is flesh. Anybody been born of the flesh in here? Yeah, every one of us, right? But look at this. How about the second part? That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, the first birth is our natural birth. But if you've been saved, you've had a second birth. You've been born from above, born again. It's a supernatural birth. That, that's why Nicodemus said, can a man enter into his mother's womb when he is old? and be born a second time? He's thinking like the natural man. I mean, Nicodemus' mother's going, uh, no way, that's not going to happen, you know? But see, Jesus says, look, you cannot go to heaven. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. There's no way to go to heaven unless you've been saved by the grace of God. And so this birth, now look at Romans 8, 9, because we're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit of God at the moment of salvation, it says, but ye are not in the flesh, but notice, in the Spirit, if so be, in other words, if you're saved, that the Spirit of God, what's those next three words? Dwell where? In you. So let me ask you tonight, if you're saved, where's the Holy Spirit right now? In you. He's dwelling in you. Try explaining that to a little child. <laughs> some of you have worked with children, and some of you help us when we have vacation Bible school. And sometimes we talk to boys and girls, and we try to make it, we try to be as, as clear as we can. But when you tell a little child that gets saved, hey, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, they're like, really? How'd that happen? You know? I mean, they're, they're trying to wrap their mind. I mean, honestly, we need to understand this. That It says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, in other words, if the Spirit does not dwell in you, then you are not one of His. That's what the Scriptures say. See, we receive Christ, listen now, we receive Christ 
and we received the Holy Spirit of God simultaneously. I got saved on January 22nd, 1984. I received Christ as my Savior. I, I am now in Christ, and I also received the Holy Spirit of God on January 22nd, 1984. See, a lot of people over the years have erroneously taught that there is some type of second blessing. Like you can receive more of the Holy Spirit than when you first received Him. But when you think about it, you got all of the Holy Spirit when you got saved. As a matter of fact, He got all of you. I wonder in our lives if we really understand that we received the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible says that our body, 1 Corinthians 6, our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. I wonder, are we keeping our temple clean? Because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. See, that's why, and I know people don't like this, but, but we, need to, we need to make sure that we're keeping our temple. I think we shouldn't desecrate the temple. Why? Because it's the place where God lives. Albert? So why the frustration? Why the frustration? That has nothing to do with the Spirit. That has everything to do with the flesh. We're actually going to get into that in just a little bit. Good question. But, it, but, but do you understand that if our body... Okay, the Bible says we've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is the Lord's. So here's the thing is, that's why people struggle with this. But understand that there is a biblical standard of separation. Because when you think about this, that as we allow things in our lives, in our bodies, it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm a firm believer, and I know that we, sometimes we have a past, but, but when, we, when we indulge in things of the flesh, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be, I mean, you name it. And again, God loves us, but when we do that, none of those things are pleasing to God because we're bringing those things into the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why God says, I am holy, therefore be ye holy keep my temple clean. Uh, the, this past uh, week, I, I spent a lot of time. I've got one of the cleanest garages in all of, uh, all of Miramar right now. I mean, I swept the floor. I mean, I put stuff away. I mean, I can get both my cars in there now. But I'm going to tell you something. It was driving me crazy that I had such a mess in my garage. Now, I want to tell you something. My wife, you know, I love her for many reasons, but you know why one of the reasons I love her is because she keeps my house clean. I love a clean house. Matter of fact, my wife takes it to the extreme. Some of you might be this way. If we're going on vacation and we're leaving town, my wife cleans before she leaves. She does that all the time, you know, and she, she'll say to me, because I want to come home to a clean house, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, that's not a bad idea. You know, I would have never thought of that. And uh, we loved having our kids and our grandkids for Christmas. But when they left, my wife says, wow. She said, the house just looked like a war zone. I mean, there was toys and stuff. There was stuff everywhere. But listen, does it make sense to you tonight that if we are a Christian, if we're a child of God, and we received Christ at the moment of salvation, and we receive the Holy Spirit of God, He dwells in us, if there's something in our lives that we're allowing into the temple, that does not please God. And we've got to see this. We've got to understand it. That Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us. The Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit. 
as we walk with Him. So notice the Holy Spirit is promised by Christ. He is received at salvation. Let her see. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. The seal. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. There it is again. I mentioned earlier, we hear the word of God. The word of God is preached or declared. And it says here, it's the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed, ye were, here's the Bible word, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, let me ask you a question tonight, simple question. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God, right? And is there anyone more powerful than God? No, not even Satan, right? So understand tonight, if God, by His Holy Spirit, sealed you, can anything break that seal? Can anyone break that seal? No. We are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So look at the process again. When someone hears the truth, they trust in the Lord, they are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus Christ, when you study, remember what John the Baptist said about Jesus when he saw him coming to him there at the Jordan River? He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. If you study the Old Testament going into the New Testament, uh, you, here's what you find is that as they would go in for the feast, the Passover and other feasts, they would have to take their sacrificial animals. When Jesus came, he was, all those were types that pointed to Jesus, who was perfect in every way. There was not any sin in him. He was incapable of sinning. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. And so when Jesus came, he was approved of God. The Bible word is a propitiation. Now notice this. I want you to see this in John 6, 27. Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit as the seal of our salvation. Look what the Bible tells us here, how that Christ himself was followed by the seal of the Holy Ghost. Look at John 6, 27. Jesus said, labor not, for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Now, listen, he's not talking about a T-bone or a porterhouse. Jesus said himself, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. In other words, my business. So look what he says here. He says, labor for that which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus, shall give unto you, for him, Jesus, hath God the Father sealed. So in other words, the scripture is telling us here that the Holy Spirit of God is the seal of our salvation. Why use this word seal? Well, again, you have to understand Bible terminology. When you seal something in the scriptures, it's talking about ownership. It's talking about security. Maybe you've heard one of the cardinal doctrines of our faith is the eternal security of the believer. You, listen, you cannot lose your salvation. Remember, you just told me there's no one more powerful than God. Nobody can break that seal. Okay, so we are owned. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. It's a sign of ownership. It's a sign of security. It's a sign of authenticity. That's what the seal is. And when we have eternal hope, which we do, 
our hope is in Christ, and we have the security from the Holy Spirit of God. He has sealed us that one day we will be with the Lord in heaven. Then we, who are a part of the family of God, we have been accepted by Christ as our Savior. So, listen, when you think about the Holy Spirit, that's why I say He is God's gift to us, because He has sealed us under the day of our redemption. So the gift of the Spirit, but notice number two, and this is kind of where Brother Albert asked, notice secondly, the growth in the Holy Spirit, the growth. Because when you got saved, look here, what does the Bible call us? Babes in Christ, right? Remember Brother Wally, when you got saved, the Bible says that you began to drink the sincere milk of the Word, right? Uh, little babies, Caitlin, they, they drink the bottle, they're on the milk, you know? And, and, and it's so important, my, my grandson was here, Duke, you know, and I said to my daughter, I said, what'd you put in that bottle? She said, whole milk. And I'm telling you something, he, he grabbed that bottle, it was gone. I mean, and I, I told my, my wife, I said, we need to get some chocolate milk, put some chocolate syrup in that, in that. he needs something besides just whole D milk, you know. And, and, and listen, when we get saved, l- listen, we, we, we are to begin this growth in our lives, but it's sad because remember, when you got saved, you received Christ as your Savior, and who else did you get? The Holy Spirit. You with me tonight? We got saved, we got Christ, and we got the Holy Spirit. But, but it's sad, when somebody gets saved, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but they stay in a spiritual nursery. I mean, Miss Mickey, can you imagine if you had you know, a 22-year-old in nursery on Sunday morning? You'd be like, get out of here. You're a little too old to be in here. You know, go to class, go where you're supposed to be. Well, listen, a lot of times when people get saved, they've received Christ, they've received the Holy Spirit, but they they stay a baby in their lives. They don't grow. The seed that was planted at salvation, it has to continue to grow if we're ever going to become strong enough to bear fruit. Now, I think every hand went up that said, Pastor, that's what I want in my life. I want to bear fruit spiritual fruit. So let me give you a couple thoughts when it comes to growing and this matter of the Holy Spirit of God. Notice letter A, growth is vital for avoiding fleshly living. So many are going to live their lives, listen, either according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. Would you agree with that statement? We struggle because we live our lives by the flesh, but God's intent is we live our lives according to the Spirit. See, look, it's either one or the other. Whichever one you feed the most is the one that's going to become the strongest. Look what Paul wrote to those in Galatians chapter 5 there in your notes. Look at this. He says, this I say then, walk in the what? Spirit. And watch this. If we're walking in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of what? Of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And so, in other words, if you're living your life according to the flesh, look at some of these things that you're going to do. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Do you know that's one of the fastest growing religions in the world today? Wiccan and witchcraft. 
Look at the list. Let's read on. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not, what? Inherit the kingdom of God, right? I mean, listen, folks, I could break that list down, but you know what that list is? Let me, let me help you with it. Just turn on the news tonight and you'll see that list. You know why? Because people are living in this world today according to the flesh, and the flesh lusteth, it doesn't want anything to do with the Spirit. So when you think about growing in the Holy Spirit, growth in the Spirit is vital so that we won't live according to the flesh. The way to determine whether you're a spiritual Christian or a fleshly Christian depends on which you feed the most. Think about your daily routines, okay? You don't have to say anything out loud, but just think about your own life right now. Think about what you do on a daily basis. What are you investing most of your time in? Is it spiritual things or is it things to feed the flesh? Because if you're spending time doing spiritual things, then guess what? You are going to feed the spirit. You're going to walk in the spirit. But if you are doing most of what you do according to the flesh, then the flesh is going to win over the spirit. Does that make sense to you? That's the way most people live their lives. And, and so understand tonight that as we think about our daily routines, we can only grow in the spirit when we are not feeding the flesh. We must do whatever it takes in our lives to ignore the flesh. Has anybody beside me ever struggled with the flesh? You know what? One of the greatest Christians that I'll ever know in my life, I didn't know him personally, Romans chapter 7, read how Paul struggled with the flesh, and he was the great Christian that he was. I meet a lot of people who say, I don't have any problem with that. Every day, Paul said, I've got to die daily in our lives. So look, growth is vital to avoid fleshly living. Letter B, growth is the evidence of our salvation. If we are growing, it's, it's evidence that we are saved. Uh, the, the fruit in our lives, it should show others around us that we are Christians. Listen, it's so important to make sure that we have the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Matthew 7, 20. And by the way, you can look at from about verse 16 all the way down to about verse 25 of this chapter. But look at one verse that highlights it. Whereby, wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Do you know I can be around somebody for about one minute and I can tell you if they're a spiritual person or if they're a fleshly person? You know, I've had a lot of good friends, Christian friends, who, Zach, they've told me, they said, I, I, I can't play basketball. Because <laughs> they know once you put that round ball in their hand on the court, they're not going to live according to the spirit on the court. They're going to live according to the flesh. Elbows are going to start flying and they're going to start doing things that they shouldn't do. Listen, in our lives, the Bible says, by their fruit. Now, listen, that's true in your life, too. It's true in my life. By our fruits, whatever we're producing, we don't have to tell somebody if we're spiritual or not. I was sadly 
disappointed today when somebody showed me a public, um, whatever you call it, uh, tweet or whatever it was, of a Christian that posted something that they should have never, they, to post it means they were thinking it, it was in their heart. I'm not judging them. There's no other way around it, the word that was there. And, and it, honestly, to me, it was sad. Now, I'm not judging them. I, I'm not a perfect person either. But by their fruits, you shall know them. People know us. Again, on your workplace, you don't have to tell them. Only God can produce true spiritual fruit, but that's only going to happen as you and I walk in the Spirit. And when, listen, when we're walking in the Spirit, guess what we're not doing? Fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So when we think about the growth in the Holy Spirit, growth is vital if we're going to avoid fleshly living. Notice growth is its evidence that we are saved. And then notice letter C, growth is produced as we walk in the Spirit. I've already said this, growth, this walking in the Spirit, it's a choice. It's a choice that you'll make tonight. It's a choice that you'll make tomorrow. You know, you get to one of the most difficult things sometimes when I'm driving a car is when I get to one of those places where I have to yield. I struggle. You know why? Because it's my turn. You know, uh, that, that yield sign's for them. It's not for me, you know. And my wife, a lot of times, she'll say, you know, she goes, why don't you just slow down? Why don't you let them go? No, it's my turn, you know. She doesn't understand. I paid for this lane, you know, or whatever it is. It, 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 it's, it's so hard. I, listen to what William James said. When you have to make a choice and you don't make it, that is in itself a choice. See, sometimes no choice is a choice. Remember what I said, how they answered Elijah and they answered him not a word. And we need to see that when we're growing in the Spirit, that it's going, that growth is going to be produced as we walk in the Spirit. Every day we're going to make a choice. And here's the choice that you're going to make tomorrow. You're either going to choose to walk in the Spirit or you're going to choose to walk in the flesh. So we see the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see the growth in the Holy Spirit. But then notice number three, the goodness of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think you all would agree with this. There's nothing good about us, right? There's none good, no, not one. The only thing good about us is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing good about us. And as we think about that tonight, fruit is something that all of us desire in our lives. But in us, fruit doesn't come naturally. You know why? Because of our, our sin nature. You know what does come natural? It's not fruit, it's weeds. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to fertilize the weeds around the church. They just grow all over the place. But if I want fruit, if we want something nice looking around the church, we've got to plant it, we've got to cultivate it. So notice when you think about the goodness of the Holy Spirit, first of all, that His character is produced in you. Spiritual fruit is always consistent with the producer. Let me say that again. Spiritual fruit is always consistent with the producer. Fruit is the outside result of what's going on on the inside. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know where that came from. I'll tell you where it came from. Out of the heart comes the issues of life. <laughs> so fruit is the outside result. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then you know what? Just like in Paul's life, when you and I face difficult and tough times and challenges, we're going to face them with the same faithfulness and joy and love that Paul had in his life. 
We're going to have the right spirit and attitude. And the reason we can do that and face those tough times is because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, let your conversation, your life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now look, Jesus is in heaven. How could he say that? I'll never leave. Because he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit goes with us. Yes, sir. Well, our lives, that, that is one of the goals of, of our lives and Christian lives, is that our lives should be lived to please Him, to glorify Him. If we're a Christian, we should be a direct reflection of Him. And so when we're not, when we're not producing fruit in our lives, when we're living according to the flesh, we're a bad representation on our God. And that's why it's so important, because we live in a world that needs to see God, that needs to know God that needs to understand him. Here's a good illustration. A lot of times in our lives, you think about, uh, and somebody used this as an illustration, but somebody said, how can I get the air? You realize right now in this glass, there's air in this glass. So how can I get the air out of this glass? Well, you know, somebody said, well, you can siphon the air out or you can turn it over. But even if I turn it over, there's still air in this glass. It still contains air. But there's a clear way to get the air out of this glass. Is to fill it. Now it's not full of air. Now it's full of water. And in our lives, when we're full of ourselves, there's no way to get that out. But when we, we are filled with the Spirit of God, then there's no place for self. It helps us to understand that our life is one that should show that the Holy Spirit indwells us. So notice his character is produced in us, but let her be, his character is witnessed by those around us. Look, we're a, we're a walking billboard. People are watching our lives, and the question is, is your life distinguishable from the unsaved world that you live in? Do people at work know that you're a Christian without you even telling them? There, there is nothing more satisfying than a spirit spiritual fruit-bearing Christian who in their life and their testimony is radiating the love and the joy of Christ. And so as a Christian, listen, I hope that you, you're like me, that you never want to stop growing as a Christian. And, and look, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, and He wants to empower us. He wants to fill us and, and to help sustain us in our lives. We've got to learn to yield to Him. And as we do, then the Holy Spirit will renew our lives so that we can bear more fruit. In the, in the weeks ahead, we're going to get to Galatians chapter number 5, verse 22, where the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and notice these, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. But look at the last statement. Against such, there is no law. Now, when you take those fruits of the Spirit and you put them all together, you know what you have a, a very good picture of? The Lord Jesus Christ. Because He was all of those. And you know what God wants us to be? More like His Son. And so, in our lives, may we allow God's Holy Spirit... Look, if you're saved tonight, the Spirit is in you. And what we need to do is say... Holy Spirit, help me to let you lead in my life, control my life. May I yield to you and not give in to the flesh.
And I hope that's the way you want to live. We'll continue this next week on preparing the soil, but let's ask God to help us to live out this matter of allowing the stream to flow in our lives so that there's fruit. Lord, thank you again for this evening. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. Lord, may we take this with us, that when the flesh wants to have its way, that we would not give in, Lord, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to take control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.